At Journey Beyond Divorce, we understand that navigating through the emotional tsunami of separation and divorce is one of the hardest journeys you'll take. And we know that once the initial fear and pain begins to pass, a whole new storm of confusion, uncertainty, and self-doubt can surface. Journey Beyond Divorce can help you identify and clarify where you're feeling stuck and what steps you need to move forward even if they're just baby steps. We guide you with practical, tangible support that you can start implementing right away. Our team of experienced divorce coaches is ready to help you. Listen through the show because we have a gift just for you. It'll help you navigate your divorce with more calm and confidence. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Journey Beyond Divorce on Divorce Source Radio. I'm Steve Peck, and now your host, Karen McMahon. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Thanks so much. Uh, Today's episode is dedicated to the healing journey for you, the spouse of the narcissist or high-conflict personality, you, the codependent. While you may be crystal clear on your spouse's part in the dissolution of your marriage, you too are responsible for the part that you play. Those who marry high conflict personalities play an essential role in the dysfunctional dance of the marriage. We discuss that at length with Ross Rosenberg, today's guest in episode two, called Divorcing a Narcissist, the Personality Disorders and Dysfunctional Dance of high-conflict marriages. So if you missed it, make sure to tune in. I'm excited to have Ross with us again today, this time to share part of his deeply effective strategies for healing from codependence, a self-love deficit disorder. Ross has a 10-stage self-recovery, self-love recovery program that has helped scores of men and women. And today he's going to share how to heal the inner trauma child. Ross Rosenberg is the owner of the Self Love Recovery Institute. He is a psychotherapist, educator, expert witness, and author. Ross is known globally for his expertise in codependency, which he coined Self Love Deficit Disorder, Pathological Narcissism, Narcissistic Abuse, and Trauma Treatment. His book, The Human Magnet Syndrome, has sold over 100,000 copies and is translated into seven languages. And Ross has been regularly featured on national TV and radio and has over 170,000 YouTube subscribers and over 16 million views. Welcome, Ross. We are excited to have you back. Hey, Karen. Hey, Steve. It's so nice to be back. Um, I, I was so glad that you guys invited me back because you know, I, I do a lot of podcasts, but there's really good chemistry that we have. And so I'm, I'm excited about what we're, what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And this next stage, you were so um, helpful in explaining that dance between the narcissist and the codependent. And yet... As you and I know, those who are married are so um, keenly focused on the narcissist that they don't take the opportunity to understand their part and to heal it. And so what happens is they divorce 
and they remarry the same person in a different body and they right. rinse and repeat. And so what we're looking for is um, to help them change that, uh, that pattern. So I understand how robust your 10-stage um, recovery program is, and it, and it walks us through understanding, I believe, um, the web of behavior, behavior that we're caught in and uh, into mastering skills and strategies like uh, setting and upholding boundaries uh, to practicing and ultimately achieving self-love abundance the cure, as you say. Today, we're focusing on one of the more powerful cornerstones of your program, how to heal the inner trauma child. But before we get into that, let's, let's just set the stage, Ross, um, by talking a little bit about the importance of recovering from codependence. Well, one of the things that I'm proud of that makes me different from most folks out there, whether uh, you're a coach, therapist, or just enthusiast, is I realized a long time ago through my own journey and, and through my work as a psychotherapist is you can't, you can't uh, overcome and solve the problem that most people know as codependency or what I call self-love deficit disorder if you don't see your part in it. And through the Human Magnet Syndrome book and the material that I developed from it is I help people understand that they have a broken picker and that they're going to through this feeling of chemistry, find the person that feels right, the soulmate that always ends up as the cellmate. It's so easy to blame someone else. I know this from personal experience. All of my work is that we have to take responsibility. We have to find out what is it about us that keeps putting us in situations that cause us so much pain. Not that we deserve um, abuse, neglect, or abandonment, but if we are a part of this dancing partnership, then the only way out of it is not only to stop dancing and find out why we're so compelled to. So it's my pleasure to talk about more about how to overcome this self-love deficit disorder, this codependency thing. And, and, and it never will be just by blaming the mean, nasty narcissist. So I'm glad to talk about this some more. Yeah, and, and I think that one of the, the things that uh, is so common to everyone who struggles in this way is, uh, especially when you're in a, a long-term relationship with uh, a narcissist, is that you lose yourself. I was talking to a client yesterday, and it was fascinating as he uh, began to notice how he thinks about what his wife would feel or say or how she would react before he's even aware of his own thoughts and feelings around that situation. And that is so typical. And uh, yeah, and that's one of the key things that we really want to help people uh, step into all that they are and, and, and own their own thoughts and feelings. Yeah, and, and, I, and I submit that anyone that says they have a tendency to lose themselves in a relationship, um, I, um, it's not really accurate. They don't, they're already lost. They are lost um, and they are looking for a relationship to give them relief of their pain. And when I, when I talk about SLDD, self-love deficit disorder, I, I usually pull out my, my uh, pyramid to explain that, you know, this to understand why we act codependently or with the SLDD, we have to understand that it comes from attachment trauma, 
the trauma being raised by a narcissist, the core shame that results, the pathological loneliness that comes from core shame, the addictive compulsion to make that pain go away that requires us to be in a relationship, and then being the SLD or the codependent. And so it's the feeling of deep loneliness and core shame mm -hmm. that, that pulls a person into our relationship so that the pain goes away. So when they find someone, they feel like everything is so perfect in this beautiful love struck, you know, moment, but they never lost themselves. They were lost in the beginning with hopes that they were found. It's, it's so, so would you say that by meeting that person that, um, because there's such a, a gap that lost to begin with that there are, that it seems that the other person is filling it. Um, yeah. Well, what it, what it is, is, and we're going to talk about this with my, my hitch method, the healing the inner trauma child method, is that codependency, SLDD, it is directed by strong, immovable psychological forces that are unconscious, they're disassociated, that are relationship and emotional patterns that come from a person's childhood, a, um, the trauma that they endured being raised by a narcissistic parent and a codependent parent. That trauma was severe, and in that whole experience, from birth to 18 and, and older, they learned exactly what their self-worth was, and their worth, ultimately, if they were able to pull it off, was only as, was only as good as how they made other people feel. And so their feelings of love are instinctively, reflexively connected to this feeling of making another person happy. And that's the dance. When the SLD, the, the, the person with self-love deficit disorder, meets this narcissist, you know, th th they respond to the attractiveness, the, the charm, the, 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 the excitement. But really, they feel so perfect in taking care of another person that needs so much caring. And that feels exciting. It's because that's all they ever knew and that's that little trauma child inside of them that is, that's all that they knew as a child, and that's all they know how to do. And within that is the chemistry, the strong urge to be with that person. Gotcha. And, you know, I think so, so often um, the, the key to solving anything is to getting to the root of it, right? If you're gardening and you just clip the weed, it doesn't, it comes back. You've got to get yeah. to the root. Absolutely. What does HITCH stand for? HITCH stands for the Healing the Inner Trauma Child Method. And it's, you know, I love names. <laughs> I remember when uh, I wrote my book, you know, the name I had was uh, Codependence and Narcissist, et cetera, et cetera. And I came up with the Human Magnet Syndrome. Because uh, a name, if it strikes um, a resonant chord, it sticks with people. Right. Hitch, is, HITCH is the name that describes the psychological mental health treatment that gets to the trauma that is disassociated, that is unconscious, that is repressed. There's three different words for the same thing that a person cannot get to by just talking about it or trying to remember it. It's the trauma that is PTSD-esque of a whole period of, of a person's life that's inaccessible. So if the trauma is responsible for SLDD. And that trauma is disassociated. It's unconscious. It's repressed. 
and a, and therapists and 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 the, and and the big challenge I'm having is most therapists don't understand what codependency or SLDD is, which is why I created my pyramid. And then once they do understand it, they don't know how to get to the trauma. And the best they can do is have a person talk about it. Hitch, according to the Hitch method, is they can't resolve it through talking because the memories are removed. No differently from someone like someone who has PTSD, who had a buddy die in a war yep. um, or a car accident. The brain moves it offline. And so if that is offline, then how do, how, you, do you, how do you access the memories that you need to access to heal when psychologically we've been designed to protect ourselves? And so there's that this and so many of the clients that I work with, they'll say, I, I don't know. I just I don't remember a lot of my childhood um, or I only remember up until a certain date. And so that's really that that's a really good point. So if you need to access memories um that that hurt inner child uh in order to heal but psychologically there's a there's a a veil um so you don't have access to those memories um i'm assuming that that's what you're about to tell us like how the hitch method works yeah and i will and 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 i'll tell you a quick story Uh, when i didn't know anything and i came out of grad school like a lot of therapists uh, we we um I accidentally um, triggered someone to, to talk about their abuse, and I didn't know what I was doing, and it took me 15 or 20 years to actually have an explanation for it. And, and what I learned, one step at a time, is that trauma, uh, attachment trauma, the trauma experienced throughout a part of your lifetime at the hands of the narcissist and codependent parent um, is disassociated, but it's frozen affectively. The emotional experiences are frozen um, like an HD, what I call an HD 3D movie video. Um, The experiences have exquisite detail in a part of the brain that can't consciously remember or tell the story. And so the reason I call it the inner trauma child, healing inner trauma child, is when I am talking, when I am with my client and I connect to what I call affective memories, which are those memories frozen in time that are laden with emotions and crystal, crystal clear recollection, I'm actually talking to the child. And when I connect in that way to my client, it's not a metaphor, it's not an analogy. I am actually bringing someone back to the time when they were a child and they start to tell me what they experienced in a way that is safer so that we can integrate it when uh, they are healthy enough so that it no longer has to be put away because when it is put away, it comes out backwards. Mm-hmm. Just because, I mean, think of PTSD. Um, because you don't remember being in the war and, and, and being around death and destruction, it comes out in every way. And that's why SLDs keep recreating their attachment trauma and the partners they choose is because that little child inside of them um, knows no different. So that is so, so let me let me ask you something because one of the things that I ask my clients a lot is um, they'll they'll tell me about an interaction where mm-hmm. they kind of lost it 
right? They got emotionally charged and they lost it. And, and a lot of times I'll say, how old were you? How old do you think you were at that point? And so if I'm talking to a middle-aged person, they'll stop and go, God, actually, I was like five. Right. So how does that how does that connect to what you're um, talking about? So these unconscious memories, these affective memories, there, there's there's two forms of the, the the hitch memories. There's the affective memories, which are the ones that are frozen in time that we can't remember, and then we have the body memories, which are the medical physical representation of the memories. So th these represent we get sick. We have anxiety, we have headaches, we have back problems, we have fibromyalgia. Just because we can't remember it, it's in the back of our mind all the time. We are inundated with the results of these memories that um, our brain won't let us remember. And so when someone gets triggered or activated, mm -hmm. like I'll use myself for example, <laughs> I back before, you know, um, I really got made some great progress in my own psychotherapy. I would get triggered or activated all the time when someone would judge me and be passive aggressive and lie. I mean, that was my experience in my family. And I would have an over the top reaction and, and, and someone would ask me, why are you so mad? Consciously, all I could tell them is, well, that person's not being nice or lying or manipulating, but unconsciously that part inside of me that uh, where I've been traumatized as a child it's the same event, yep. the same environment that I experience that is creating an internal explosion of hormones and chemicals and memories that I can't associate with what I don't remember, but can't project it onto what's happening. So I'll lose it. So a lot of times when we lose it, and we, um, we might not know what's really underneath it, um, but that's my best explanation. Yeah. And in 12-step programs, there's a saying that I love, which is, if it's hysterical, it's historical. And so when we have that zero to 100 reaction, that knee-jerk reaction, it's, it's, it's rarely about the, the thing happening in front of us. It's, it's that historical trigger, as you're talking about, that past trigger that, um, that causes that powerful reaction. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and that is the, the meat and potatoes of the human magnet syndrome compelled relationship. Yep. You are brought together by unconscious forces of memories of what you believe is love. You only knew love when you were a child, that hurt trauma child, when she or he could make another person happy and feel safe. And that was, if that's the experience of love and safety, paradoxically, and, and you should meet someone, let's say, you know, online dating, and that's and now there's a narcissist who, nice, sweet, hopefully sexy and attractive, um, you can relate to, it's familiar. Yeah. Um, you're not remembering the bad stuff because that, that part has been pushed down, right. which is why I created my hitch method, healing the inner trauma child method, because as I said before, most therapists dealing with codependency, they don't know what codependency is. And, and I hope that my book, The Human Magnet Syndrome, straighten that out. And my latest work in the codependency cure work now explains that this self-love deficit disorder cannot be cured, cannot be solved, cannot be neutralized if you don't get to the core. And the core is the disassociated unconscious trauma that they keep perpetrating on themselves while feeling like a victim. 
And the therapist not only needs to know what it is, which is why my, uh, I have a, a six hour training video that has all this information, but to know what it is, where it is, why you can't get to it, but a technique that could actually connect to it and help a person experience it. Because the brain, um, evolu- I, I say it in my training that evolution has a fatal, had a fatal flaw. It worked really well by figuring out a way to save us from psychological pain that, if, that could destroy us. But it didn't figure out a way to bring it back forward and integrate it when we were healthy enough. Right. The Hitch method helps a person integrate it when they're healthy enough so that they no longer have to suffer the unconscious reactions from it. So, so the first question that comes to mind is we have all these people listening in, uh, sitting on their, at the edge of their seat saying, okay, this is great. What do I do? And you just mentioned training um, therapists and experts. And so what we're about to talk about, is that something that requires uh, psychotherapy? Is that something that people Absolutely. can do on their own? Can they listen to the video and, and access it and, and fix it? What, yes, what's- yes, no, no, yes, 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 no, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, the Hitch method um, requires a psychotherapist. It's like if you had, like, you know, like I did, you know, I had a spinal fusion. Um, you won't, you don't go to a chiropractor to get a spinal fusion. Um, I mean, you go to a chiropractor if your back is hurting, but if you need something that is, needs precision work by an expert um, um, that has all the training and background to make sure you're safe, um, we're dealing with um, what could be very dangerous stuff if you don't know what you're doing. Um, and so it absolutely is required um, to be done by a trauma-trained and experienced therapist. Um, now, I believe that my explanations and, for example, that six-hour seminar on the hitch, it's my, it's my best-selling video that we sell on Self-Love Recovery Institute, and we don't sell it to therapists. What it does is it gives the sufferers of self-love deficit disorder, the ones who have finally an explanation for why they have this problem and, and the therapy that they've been getting has not been effective, what they do is they understand it. And the very best thing we can do for ourselves is to know what we have, to know about the problem, and so we can find someone who can help us. And when we know what the person is doing and we are more invested in it, so it absolutely is helpful um, to know about this and there's all this information that will help, but to, to access the unconscious disassociated uh, material is kind of like doing surgery on yourself. Right, right. You can't do it. Okay, so we need, so, so you're listening in. Uh, if you're not in therapy, as you listen to this and maybe go and visit Ross's site and, and even listen to the six hours. Um, the clear message is you really want to bring a professional, a, a oh, psych- yeah, a psychotherapist in to oh, support you in this journey. Oh, absolutely. The, the hitch method is actually dangerous. When, when you are dealing with things that have been repressed or disassociated because the brain cannot manage it, what is happening is the brain made a decision that the recollection of, the, of, of this material will be too much for it to handle. So it creates a wall. Yes. And if you bring that material forward before you are healthy enough to manage it, you'll fall apart. Um, literally, depression, anxiety, panic attack. Uh, and if someone uh, uh, 
And that is it's dangerous. almost like you're, you're, you're releasing toxins, right? You're releasing toxic memories. And so that's going to have its own poisonous impact on you is what I hear you say. It's actually a really good point. You are releasing. So if your body, um, if there's a bacteria or a virus and you're, and you're healthy and your body has enough resources to deal with it. So you get sick and you get better. So it's a real, so trauma to most people, the body handles it like the virus or the bacteria mm-hmm. it's hurt. It hurts, it's harmful, but we have resources to get rid of it. This type of trauma, you don't have enough resources. So if you release that and you don't have the psychological resources to handle it, it's dangerous, which is why I recommend that psychotherapists who specialize in trauma um, um, study this stuff because it could help so many people but they have to know what they're doing. And we'll be back with more Journey Beyond Divorce after this. We're there right when you need us the most. And we make sure you have all the tools and resources at your fingertips, guiding and supporting you between calls to be more effective. I was very fortunate to find Journey Beyond Divorce. I would go searching for any piece of information that could either A, give me more knowledge about the divorce process itself, or B, could talk me down emotionally. And I found that Journey Beyond Divorce was really instrumental in providing both things. One, the guidance of the divorce process itself, as well as talking about self-maintenance and what does the individual need to do to kind of cope with it. Let us help you gain a broader perspective and determine your best next steps with our free Rapid Relief Lifeline call. Visit rapidreliefcall.com to book your call. So how does the process work? The process works by, the, uh, by just understanding first, more than anything, the information. Half of my self-love recovery treatment program, it's 10 stages, is teaching people about who they are, why they are, how come they are, where did it come from? The more you understand, the less mysterious this is. That is why people love the term self-love deficit disorder, because it gives them the solid understanding of the problem and not some name that makes no sense. Then as you teach them why this problem has been in your life and why it continues, you start going into the deeper aspects of what to do to stop it. And before, so the trauma work is at stage seven. In this 10-stage approach, the trauma work is um, safe for seven because the goal is to make a person stable and healthy so that they have the psychological resources to manage the pain of remembering, the trauma remembering. So, so information, um, dealing with the addiction, preparing to understand and relate to and set boundaries with the narcissist, setting boundaries with the narcissist, surviving those boundaries, building yourself up, connecting to self-love when you start to transition away from self-love deficit disorder. And then after all those sequential steps, we get to the point where the person is healthy enough and has enough confidence and security and positive momentum created that we can go into these memories. Because when they start remembering something that has been shut down, 
it's going to cause eruptions. And you think of like San Francisco or Tokyo, these buildings now are built to withstand them. And so all those seven stages have their own purpose, but they get the person ready so that they can connect to what, what they thought they could never remember and be strong enough to not only remember it, but to deal with it and, and to move it forward. Can I jump in here with a quick question? Um, how do you define trauma for an individual? And what would you say um, if a family had twins and one suffers SLDD and the other doesn't? Is it all subjective, this trauma? Okay, well, that's that's a big question. Um, um, that whole question is answered in, 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 uh, in my book, in, in two chapters in my book. So, um, so I will do my best to uh, be uh, concise. Trauma is an adversive experience that is painful in which you feel um, unprotected, um, hurt, um, and you don't have a lot of control. So it can be anything from being a child and going to Disney World and, uh, and, and not going on the ride that you wanted. And, and so that's a little bit of a trauma or it can be being raped. Um, so trauma is a word that has so many, it's a word that's on a continuum. In my Hitch um, video, I actually talk about a trauma continuum. And I really prefer, if you don't mind, not to digress there, but, if, but I do talk about how, um, what trauma is in the most mildest manifestation and what it is in the most, um, uh, the, the most uh, intense, which is, would be called um, chronic uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, or CPTSD. So uh, simply trauma is a painful event that um, caused um, lasting impact on you psychologically. Um, to the second question, um, I explained this in the human magnet syndrome, why um, nothing is capricious, nothing is coincidence, everything is explained. Um, almost to like a 99% accuracy. If you are in the family and you have a parents who are narcissists and, and one is a codependent, there's going to be attachment trauma for everyone. And depending on the child and all the factors that are around this, how the child deals and survives with it is going to determine the outcome of their personality type um, as an adult. And if a child um, learned that they are safe by molding themselves. And this is the inner trauma child. They learn that they are the, they are the, the narcissist's prized possession, that they are adored when they can be pretty and beautiful and intelligent, and, and, um, or they can be, uh, make the narcissist feel good about themselves, or they cannot cause trouble. If that child can figure out a way to hide her emotions, his emotions, so that he can be an asset to a narcissist, he will be loved and he will learn that the world's not safe unless you can mold yourself into the type of person the narcissist most needs. In essence, that's attachment trauma you, is, that creates codependency. So let me ask you something. What, what about the, I've read your book and one of the things that um, I'm pretty sure it says is if you're, if you're raised in that kind of a household, you're either going to become a codependent or a narcissist. It's almost, it's, it's, it's frighteningly accurate. It's, there are exceptions. If there is a narcissist and a codependent 
And that, and there is consistency between that dysfunction over the, the, the period of time that these children, mm-hmm. there's only two ways to go with the narcissist is to be their good object, the loving object for which the narcissist can feel good about himself. And then you grow up with conditional love. And what's the other one? Is you can't ever make the narcissist happy. You chronically trigger the narcissist. You are the subject of narcissistic injuries. You're a dartboard um, that uh, your darts that are um, that um, you are always the problem. An and these, attacked. You are the uh, you are the the, the um, you are the problem child, the bad seed, and in those cases, the child gets no unconditional love. There is an absence of anything positive. The child um, that I work with um, uh, through the Hitch Method, it learned that if it could become invisible, it will be loved. So there's something there that was to make him or her feel good about something. The child who doesn't get nothing gets broken irrevocably. And that is the basis for the personality disorder. The adult manifestation of that attachment trauma is to be so broken that you can never remember it and to only be able to care about yourself because the world was a broken, dangerous place. So they end up, so, so the child, and I ask this because I'm always talking to my clients about being conscious of what their children are going through too, right? So that they can oh, support sure. them. So the child who, um, so the child who isn't the good child, uh, who's good not child. getting any, the good child, right? Get, getting any kind of uh, love, um, they could actually disassociate and become a narcissist or borderline personality or Absolutely. other such. Well, that that is a simplistic way that I explain it. Um, is there's a, um, we uh, we um, humans require attachment in order to form our healthy psychological self to become healthy adults. The attachment with it, we get to grow and develop. Without it, um, the 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 elements of our personality that are required for adulthood don't get formed and psychopathology gets formed. If no one loves you and you don't get any positive regard or, or positive or conditional love and everything that you do um, causes some kind of pain, your childhood becomes this barren, cold wasteland and it is the fertile land within which the personality is born. Excuse me, the personality disorders born. Right. That's why narcissists, people with borderline personality disorder or people with antisocial personality disorder, they don't remember about their childhood. They don't talk about it. And if they do, they make up stories about it because they can't even recall it because it's blocked. Now, the hitch method is not made for that. Um, I, I, I hear that. And, and I do want to, if we could, if you could just stay with me one more, one more second. So, because I think this is really going to be a very important um, piece of information for our listeners. So if, if one parent is a codependent, but a codependent who's very caring and loving toward the children, um, what, how does that, does that, and how does that um, counterbalance the complete 
shutdown from the narcissist? Like, what's the value that 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 loving parent is bringing to the table? It okay. has to have some value. So, so oh, of course, it has value. Um, um, what what I say all the time is, there's not one type of SLD codependent, and there's not one type of narcissist, and everything is on a continuum. I created my relationship compatibility continuum that explains exactly that. There's different levels of someone's selfishness or narcissism, and there's different levels of someone's um, other caring or self-neglect. Um, so if you are brought up in a family and you have a terrible narcissistic parent, and then you have a codependent parent who spends all their time trying to take care of the narcissist and, and neglects the child, which is about 50% of the SLDs or codependents I work with, that child's going to have um, a more serious presentation or case right. of self-love deficit disorder. But if you had a parent who, when the narcissist wasn't around, was loving and caring um, and still was in the relationship with the narcissist, the damage is so much mitigated. But let me say something that I believe is really important that might upset or disappoint a lot of people. It's not nearly as much as you think because not only does what's, the parent- What's not nearly? What um, you, the, 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 uh, thank you for helping me clarify it. The, impact, the positive impact of the loving codependent is not nearly as helpful as you think because the parent wants to believe it was helpful as does the child and they get locked into this, this over-exaggerated over -exaggerate, over or glorif glorified version of mommy was or daddy was a good one and the narcissist other parent was a bad one. But in reality, the child endured um, situations where the mother could not, or the father, like the SLD, did not protect him or her. Right. And once I'm in therapy with my clients and I can get them to not protect the SLD parent right. um, because they're SLDs also. Right. So, and so they will say, well, she did her best and that, and I can get them to see without judgment that what would have happened if the codependent parent, we'll call her mommy, actually did divorce dad, did stand up, did protect you. And they're able to see how much would have been changed. And it's through that process. It's not to, um, to make them not like or appreciate their parent, but they will understand their own SLED. It breaks through their own defenses and their own denial. That if they could understand the harm that this, the loving, the more loving parent had, then they can see the harm that they're having on their own children. Because it's only in this type of psychotherapy, especially when I do the hitch method and I'm talking to the little child right. and she is remembering and she's talking about all the times that she had to be behaved to protect mommy or daddy, the, the, the SLD or codependent. And there's so many more elements that are to be talked about and to be un, under understood. So yes, the SLD parent caught, um, who loves who and is loving to the child um, mitigates the, the, the level of harm that's going to manifest in the adulthood. But it usually is not nearly as much as people think because they want to cover for it because that's how they can stay in denial for themselves. And, and if I could, I want to speak directly to the listeners right now. What, what Ross just said is so powerful because 
you know, my children were five and seven when I decided to divorce and, and that excruciating decision of breaking the family and harming the children is so front and center for so many of us. And yet what I'm hearing you say crystal clear is the children are going to be better off um, with better off with the SLD by themselves than in that, in that dynamic with the narcissist and the SLD. And so if you're struggling with the decision and, and our, our episodes have helped you to get clear that you are married to a narcissist and, and you're struggling with the decision about whether or not to leave because of your children, re-listen to this show and hear again what Ross has to say because I think it's super powerful. And, and, and I'd like to add is um, what makes me a little bit different is I hold the SLD responsible um, not to blame them, but you can't solve a problem if you don't know what it is. And if you Absolutely. want to get on this bandwagon and call yourself an empath and see yourself as full of positives, but but the problem is the other person. If you understand the human magnet center um, results from volition, our own choices, and that we stay in these relationships because of the fear of pathological loneliness, this addiction, this core shame, and you understand how that distorts our thinking, um, we can we have a better chance of healing. So I don't want to turn a child against their parent, either, even if the parent is a narcissist. I want them to be able to be healthy enough to look at the, the picture and to see everyone as they are because if trauma is the cause of SLDD, you can't get to it if you stay connected to this candy-coated version of mommy was a victim, she did her best, and daddy was a bad guy. Um, I say there, there's a point in time in, in treatment you can choose to forgive the parents, but don't forgive them before you you hold them responsible and understand the losses that were caused because of it. Right. And the other thing I hear you saying is holding yourself responsible for oh, well, your behavior and your well, that's recovery. It, that, that's, yeah. that's all of it. Yeah. I, I have another uh, question. It, it seems to me that both being SLD or a narcissist is born out of trauma. And I'm wondering why then would being a narcissist be clinically diagnosable where being an SLD or codependent, not so much? It's a great question. Thanks, Steve. Um, well, that's one of the reasons I wrote the human magnet syndrome. So when I wrote the human magnet syndrome, I didn't even have the, the term self-love deficit disorder. And I redefined codependency as a clinician, someone who's been a psychotherapist for 32 years, I was I I needed to have an explanation that was clean, clear, and concise of what is codependency, because without it, it's considered you know pop psychology, and no one takes it seriously. So it's through I believe that material in the Human Magnet Center, I synthesized this 40 second explanation of codependency, and now I am. Further, I am further uh, perfect, not perfecting it, um, creating more. Sorry, stuff just fell out of my pocket. <laughs> Sorry. I am further, um, I, am I am furthering these theories and helping people understand that this is a discernible psychological problem. It's a discernible mental health 
And so in my mind, I pretend it's in the DSM. The DSM is the book that all mental health people use to, to diagnose others. And in my head, I created an explanation that could fit there. Now, it might take 10, 15 years before um, the mental health field actually puts it in there, but it doesn't need to be in the DSM to be real. Um, so narcissistic personality disorder has been in the DSM for probably since its beginning. How could you have codependency in the DSM if you have 10, if you have 500 books telling you that it's different things? And when it comes to explaining it, they, they explain it in 15 or 20 pages. Right. So, so that's why it, it hasn't been refined enough in order to be qualified um, as a mental health disorder. And I'm but you are that. on you are on that mission and um, and and doing a beautiful job of it. Oh, um, so, before we wrap up, are there any last um, uh, comments or uh, pieces of information you want to share with our listeners, and then we'll tell them how they can reach out to you? Absolutely. Self love deficit disorder, codependency, is a very very sad condition. You, if, for you listeners, you were a victim of very unfortunate and sad, sad circumstances. You didn't deserve it. And you grew up believing that love is to sacrifice, to mold yourself into something else, to be invisible. And to heal it takes a lot more than just knowing what you are and what you can become, but is to build the courage and the conviction that for you to finally get your birthright of self-love abundance, which is the codependency cure, you have to be healthy enough and strong enough to deal with the skeletons in your closet. And you can't do that when you're, and you can't do that when you're mired in shame and fear hiding in your closet. You have to be, you have to step out into the light and you have to face what happened to you and talk about it. And that little child that you were heals. So you can do this. You can reach the core of your problem, that, that, that little inner trauma child, it's possible. It's not some high fluting idea. You just have to believe that you deserve it and be strong enough to move forward into building your foundation from which you can get everything you deserve and more. I love the concept of integrating your um, trauma inner child with your adult self and um, the peace and joy that uh, that life could present when you get to that point. So that's just beautifully put. And I just really want to thank you for the work that you do and for the time that you've spent with us. This has been really great. Well, thank you. I, I love talking about this. And and the more people like you guys that are ta- that are talking about this and getting other people with different ideas, it's it's not just one way, even though I feel strongly about my way. It's yeah. trying to find the truth and the healing. So keep doing your good work, guys. And thank Thank you for inviting me. Thanks so much. So um, if you're listening in, you can find uh, the material covered in this show and much more um, in two places with Ross Rosenberg. One is the human human magnet syndrome, the codependent narcissist trap. That's uh, Ross Rosenberg's book. It explains why codependents habitually fall prey to harmful and manipulative narcissists and why they sabotage their dreams for freedom and happiness. It's a must read if you're caught in this type of uh, relationship dynamic. 
also the Self-Love Recovery Institute is where you can find uh, Ross Rosenberg's professional services, his downloadable video programs, Hitch being one of them that we talked about today. So you can go to www.selfloverecovery.com. Thank you, Karen. You're very welcome. In our next episode, uh, we have uh, a former Journey Beyond Divorce client who comes and shares uh, their fear and overwhelm that they experienced prior to reaching out for support and how coaching helped them to navigate their high-conflict divorce and improve their life post-divorce. Before uh, you leave us, please take a minute and review our Journey Beyond Divorce podcast on iTunes. That helps to pay it forward for those looking for uh, good, valuable divorce information can find us. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel so that you'll be notified as each new episode goes live. Uh, you can join our Journey Beyond Divorce community on Facebook and receive empathy and encouragement. Uh, and you can also participate in our free virtual divorce support groups that we hold there. And you can find us at jbddivorcesupport.com. So tune back in two weeks for our next session. Thanks for listening. At Journey Beyond Divorce, we know that sometimes the most powerful support we can offer is to help you process the storm of emotions you're experiencing and gently challenge the beliefs that are keeping you stuck. The way Karen delivers her program is that she validates the feelings, the emotions, the ups, the downs. She hones in on the specifics that really talk to that particular person when they're going through this crazy emotional time. Let us be a beacon in the midst of this crazy emotional time. Book a free lifeline call with us to help lift the fog and begin practicing new ways of thinking, being, and doing that better support you as you journey through and beyond divorce. Our gift to you is taking that first step with you on your free Rapid Relief Lifeline call, where we help you navigate the emotional and logistical turbulence of separation and divorce. Visit rapidreliefcall.com to book your call.